Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm the world's most well-known Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor, uh, co-author of the book Adversity to Advantage. And uh, you can find out more about me at my uh, website. It's Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. Pretty exciting show for me today. The only person I've ever interviewed for the third time. Uh, I uh, have a friend who refers to him as the Tony Robbins of personal development, or Tony uh, Tony Robbins of the UK. Sorry, my mind wandered there. Uh, and uh, his name is Jack Black. Jack Black is from the UK. Uh, and he's uh, the creator of MindStore. MindStore is an amazing uh, personal development program. Uh, it, what I found so unique about it is that it affects the uh, left, uh, right brain thinking as much as or more than any other program I've ever uh, gone through. And so uh, he is also, uh, has he, as I said, he has a reputation as one of Europe's leading authorities on personal development. Over half a million people around the world have heard him speak or have participated in one of his programs. And every single time he speaks, he talks about Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich. He has over 25 years experience of coaching world champions in sport, business leaders across every sector, and highly successful entrepreneurs. He has delivered his MindStore courses on five continents and over half of the FTSE 100 companies, which in North America is a Fortune 100 companies, are among his clients. Uh, his experience points to improve performance through coaching using his powerful tools and techniques, and he tends to include five elements in all of his presentations to, that are characters of key characteristics of sustained success. Those are unshakable positive attitude, management of stress, commitment and determination to achieve compelling goals, enhanced creativity, and the purposeful practice of his unique mindfulness-type methods. Welcome to the show today, the amazing Jack Black. Hi, Tom. Lovely to hear your voice again. Good to hear from you, uh, Jack. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, only the third person I've ever interviewed uh, three times. Uh, I am fascinated by your work. You come highly recommended by one of my most amazing friends. And having gone through the MindStore courses, the mindfulness and the meditation, very, very, very uh, fascinating, interesting, powerful techniques you teach. And so I'm interested now because you're refocusing a little bit, uh, launching a new 
product or service, I don't know how do you call it, but it's focused more on the amazing Andrew Carnegie. And as we talked before the show, Andrew Carnegie, even in today's dollars, would still be the richest man who ever lived. And so uh, I like a focus on uh, Andrew Carnegie. Of course, I love Napoleon Hill, but there'd be no Napoleon Hill if there wasn't Andrew Carnegie. So talk about why uh, you delved more into Andrew Carnegie and the product or a program that you've put together for people who see you in person or online as well. Well, there's a number of things, Tom, which excites me about it. First of all, I've, I'm taking the step inevitably to have an online type presence or, or platform for people to access what I do. And I wanted to launch it with a completely new program, particularly for my, the enthusiasts who tend to follow my work. But, but I really wanted to embrace the roots of all, I believe, personal development programs around the world. And that, that has to be Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I, I, I feel that book is, the, if you like, the father or mother, the parents of all personal development programs. And most people kind of know that. And a lot of people who, who are in the personal development field or the coaching field, some actually sadly don't know that's the roots. But, but however, the roots of the book, of course, would seem to be the conversation or conversations between Carnegie and Napoleon. And Carnegie, to me, being a Scotsman myself, you've no idea how inspiring the Carnegie story is, particularly, you know, taking the risk of, as a little boy, 12 years old, um, his parents realising that Scotland at that time, in the the, the uh, mid-1800s, couldn't really support them, and they, they took the risk like lots and lots of families, and got on a ship and traversed the Atlantic in horrendous conditions and arrived safely in New York City. And his first job, as you probably know, was sweeping out an office at the age of 12. But that young boy went on to become the richest man that ever lived. And what, what's, what's more inspiring about that, not so much that he became rich, but that he realized very early on that he, he, he wanted to push himself to earn as much as he could but his motivation fundamentally was that he would, and he committed to this, that he would give 95% of that wealth away before he passed on. Only 5% of his wealth was kept for himself and, and, and family and so on. Now that's, that's truly extraordinary. The other thing about that extraordinariness is being a Scot, many people will be aware that unfortunately the Scots have got some kind of association with being mean and not necessarily wanting to put their hand too deeply in their pockets. And he's obviously proved that to be not the case at all. But what I, what I loved about it, Tom, was Carnegie, well, if you, if you turn to Napoleon's book first, and most of your listeners, of course, will be like myself, real, real avid enthusiasts. Mm. What I love about Napoleon Hill uh, was when I, when I first came across it, I came, I came across it when I really first started in this work, which is nearly 30 years ago now. And the first clients I had were life assurance salespeople. Um, I ended up talking at the, the million dollar round table and so on. But when I started out, they were my first clients. So it was salespeople, self-employed, selling insurance policies to families and so on, and needing inspiration and motivation. I found that a lot of them in the companies that they worked for, they were, they were recommended to them that they, they read Napoleon Hill. Some would have many seminars built around Napoleon Hill as part of their training. 
And what was interesting was that when I would meet them and they would enthuse about Napoleon's works, Think and Grow Rich particularly, they realised that right at the very start of the book, as all the readers will know, first page, he more or less says, if you're ready for the secret of all success, it will jump out at you from these pages. But, but if you don't catch it, then you're advised to read the book again. Mm. What, what I found, Tom, was that of the hundreds of people that I'd met in the early days of my work who had read the book, none of them, and I mean none of them, really heard what I think is the true secret that Napoleon shared with us all. I subsequently created a, a way of accessing the same thing that Carnegie alluded to. I adapted it into my programs, and I too found that in our own research, whilst our courses were extraordinarily successful, and to this day, of course, they still are, many people found that that particular part went completely over their head. And that's why when it came to launching a new product for a new platform, which is where I see the future of my, of my operation moving towards, is that I, I wanted to do something to honour this great secret, which seems still to be missing or lost or hidden from view. And, and so the programme is a 30-day virtual retreat using precisely what Carnegie, I believe, shared with the world as being the biggest secret of all. Wow, neat. And uh, I sort of notice, and probably true, you call it mindfulness. I, I see you moving more towards, and hey, I'm 52 years old. I see the absolute need for this, focusing more on emotional intelligence. And yes. I believe I've read that emotional intelligence is the most important important determining factor in a person's future success. Uh, a lot of thinking grow rich is left brain. Ooh, I love it. I like left brain stuff, you know. I'm a left brain person. But uh, you are really getting into the thoughts and the emotions of people. Um, and it seems, I've read a number of articles recently, the higher you go up in an organization, the lower your emotional intelligence gets. Uh, maybe because of time and pressure, but uh, talk about why that's really ultimately the key to all of Napoleon Hill's principles is managing your emotions and your thoughts. Because with those two alone, you have uh, the most possible way of achieving the most with your skills, talents, and ability. You're, you're absolutely right, Tom. I can't agree with you more. For me, it's not only the notion of managing your thoughts, but it's actually how to access your thoughts at the most optimum level. And this is, this is, where, the, this is where the secret is. It's actually quite clearly in the book, but as I say, it goes over most people's heads. Very few remember it because they actually don't get around to practicing it. And that, that was my, with this 30-day program, people inevitably have to engage in this process. If you bear with me, I'll, I'll explain what I, what, what I think Napoleon and Carnegie were really, really up to. They didn't know back then, of course, about electroencephalography and left and right brains and the development of mindfulness. Well, they probably would have heard of meditation, but may have had a Western approach to it back then and kind of dismissed it. But we now know that Western scientists, researchers, all, in all universities all around the world particularly, are, are piling into the mindfulness meditation space. And we're now getting increasingly evidence and proof that practicing meditation and mindfulness is, is critical, especially, as you say, as people climb the organization and time becomes shorter and they're far more stressed. The quality of their decisions are critically important for the future of the organization. 
but also for everybody who works for them and ultimately their clients and customers. So we now know that meditation and mindfulness has credibility, real credibility. What I love about Napoleon's interview with Carnegie, Carnegie gets to a point, and Napoleon really develops, so what I love about Napoleon is he develops these things. He, he, he was able to take what he heard from Carnegie and add more to it, as if another generation was picking up on it. And I suppose all these years later, well, here, here am I humbly believing I, I've discovered the secret that, that mm-hmm. Carnegie was alluding to. But nevertheless, what Carnegie explained was that last thing at night, he would repeatedly ready for bed, would wait until he became, for want of a better word, drowsy. That lovely, relaxing state just before sleep. And what he, what he said he did was that in that state, he then used his imagination. Now, when we're in that pre-sleep state, that relaxed, drowsy state, with studies of electroencephalograph, we associate that with alpha rhythms and the emergence of theta rhythms in the brain. And at that time, what we know is, of course, that our right brain faculties of imagination and intuition come to the fore. We know that. Everybody knows that if they're on holiday, say, somewhere sunbathing or after a big meal sometimes, they'll know that they kind of slow down and relax, especially sunbathing. You get into a very nice, relaxed state. And just before you sort of drift off into light sleep, you're in that place where you're fantasizing and daydreaming. And what's really happening is that the the right brain faculties of imagination, and for that matter, intuition, are coming to the fore, but without control. Now, what Carnegie said was that in that state where his brain would actually be in that alpha state, he wouldn't have known it back then, but he knew the state was critical. He said that he used his imagination and he imagined he was in the boardroom and round the boardroom table were the greats that truly inspired him. And he alludes to his mother being there. He alludes to... Uh, Robert Burns has been there. He was a great Burnsian, the great the great poet. It also implies that people like possibly uh, Edison was there. And what what he explains is that he had imaginary, intuitive conversations with what he called his directors, and he more or less explained that whatever happened in those conversations, whatever intuitive or imaginative insights were revealed to him, or whatever they recommended he carried out to the law. And he then alluded to that being the greatest secret of all. What I love about Napoleon is Napoleon not only, he not only accepted this and worked with it himself, he explained that he chose a team of people who truly inspired him to become his coaches, or if you, I call them inner coaches, but his, his directors too. And then he said that over time, he became like them, that the qualities that he associated with them, that he was inspired by and wanted access to in his imagination. When he consulted with this process late at night, he said he developed those exact same personality traits over time just by using the technique. This to me is the secret, the biggest secret of all, because in this alpha state, we access an increasingly understanding from the association with mindfulness now in meditation. We access from a Western world's point of view, we access, Tom, our right brain faculties, intuition, imagination, the ability to see into the future, find those goals that inspire us, and really become committed to them. Moreover, if you take the Eastern view of it, then if you listen to Deepak Chopra, people of that nature, then of course they're alluding to the notion that we get in touch with the, the universe, become, become one with God, etc. So 
whatever the listener right now is comfortable with, the more Western worldview or the more Eastern worldview or somewhere in between or a combination of all of it, it all just makes sense. But for me, it's the ultimate secret. I love it. You have a phrase about uh, when things make sense. What is it? It just works, isn't it? Yes, it only works. <laughs> it just works. And you're hitting on a number of things that uh, uh, I've really been uh, pondering and, and looking at as well. Uh, um, I use prayer. Prayer is a good way to get yourself into an alpha state. But uh, I love Napoleon Hill, so I want to get in an alpha state that I am directing uh, a lot of meditation theories, practices, classes out there, uh, but they tell you to empty your mind. Uh, I want to be more productive than that. A, I want the alpha state, but B, I want to direct that alpha state. And so I've been reading about self-hypnosis, and this is so powerful, and we're self-hypnotized uh, a lot of times we don't even realize it. If you're driving from one place to another to work every day, you're probably hypnotized. But what if you can really take, and this is what's exciting in thinking Grow Rich, think of that round table that Napoleon Hill had. If you could take those people that you admire and want to be like and emulate and want them in your ma- your daily mastermind meeting, how often could you get a daily mastermind meeting with the people that Carnegie and uh, Napoleon Hill had in their inner circle? And so you're hitting on a lot of great things. Yes, alpha state, but not in a mindless alpha state, in a mindful one that you are in control of and learning from through self-hypnosis or mindfulness or some kind of way of getting into that alpha state. Now, you did some a uh, lot of uh, research into Nobel Prize winning uh, Roger Sperry and Robert Ornstein. Uh, and talk about that because that's really uh, where we learn that the right brain is so important. And, you know, I'm a big left brain user, so I am wanting to access more and more of my right brain. Yes, Tom, Tom. and I'm, I'm, I'm particularly excited that you've, you've noticed this a thing about what I would call passive meditation and active meditation. You know, I, I had the privilege last year of opening. There's a con- conference every year. I was at it again this year in Dublin uh, around about the first week of January with the launch, if you like, the, the year of the economy and the business world. We have a major conference, and I've been privileged to speak at all three of them. I, I opened last year's, and uh, Deepak Chopra closed it. And it was wonderful. And in between, there was great business speakers and motivational people. It was fantastic. And because I had the privilege of just spending a little bit of time with them, this year it was actually Tony Robbins that closed the conference. I, I found myself inspired by Deepak, and I often spent a week with him in retreat to, to see what he was doing and so on. And it was wonderful, as of course, everybody who's interested in Deepak's work will know. As in, for me, what is fascinating is that a lot of the, the techniques, as you've alluded to, in traditional meditation are about becoming calm, the repetition of a mantra, the notion, of, the notion of becoming still. And there is absolutely no doubt that that is highly beneficial. All the research is there, and Deepak, in fact, in many ways, leading that research. However, what I'm interested in is the same as you. It's to me that this sounds maybe not correct for some people's ears, but meditation in the traditional ways is almost selfish because the person becomes still, becomes one with the universe or whatever the belief system is, even if it just becomes in a nice, calm place, 
However, what is extraordinary is that when you're in that state, that alpha state, which we'll come back to with Roger obviously, because you've got direct to enhance faculty of imagination and creativity, you can really think at the most optimum level a human being can. And that was what Canadian was thinking. So looking back to Roger Sperry's Honstein, when after 25 committed research and they got the Nobel Prize for this left and right brain stuff, of course, modern science has been developed much more now. But everyone, nevertheless, when this report to be so important, they won the Nobel Prize. And fundamentally, what they discovered was that the left hemisphere was a logical reasoning, analytical side, the side that reads and writes and speaks does all the analysis stuff. It's the, it's the part of the brain that seems to be the one where scepticism resides, and sadly for too many in the world, cynicism. On the right side of the brain, of course, in imagination, creativity, music, art, appreciation of the view of the hillside. And what came out of this was the realisation that because of our education systems, the vast majority of us spent most of our formative years working only on the left brain side, left brain subjects, like math, history, English, physics, chemistry, geography, and so on. And the subjects that we would relate to the right brain, like drama, art, music, usually get shunted off to be an also kind of RAM experience, reduced time, and the underlying message was it wasn't important. And so we, we leave college, university, school, the vast majority of us with very strong left brains and a diminished right brain, or indeed sometimes an arrogance that almost laughs at those who dare to think imaginative thoughts, who really believe in better futures, etc., etc. This is where the magic is, and this ultimately is where Carnegie was alluding to. And my experience is that even what I'm talking about now and you're agreeing with, which is just amazing that two of us connect that way, some people will hear it but won't actually act on it. And I've been in this field for 25 years, and I don't think there's anything better than what Canadian said through Napoleon. And after, what is it, 20 million copies of the book, the vast majority of readers just don't get how important this is. And I suppose, going back to that's why in the new program, it was so important for me not only to allude to it, but in fact to take people into a process where they would slow down the brain, they would get their brain into the alpha state through our style of meditation, which is not passive, it's active. And in that active state, in the same level with Deepak Chopra's brain would be that we actually go through a process of engaging with seven invited, made up in their minds, co-retreaters that undergo a guided process of 30 days of encounter and transformation. And it is absolutely amazing. Wow, wow. Well, first, I'm going to argue with 20 million. I'm, I'm, telling, I'm saying probably it's 100 million. It still sells. Fantastic. Probably a million copies in various forms and even free ones. And I have people from anywhere from 128 to 135 countries visit my site every month. And it's all about Napoleon Hill. So I know that in all the languages and all the countries and all the continents, uh, we're at 100 million. So let's just keep wow. it at that. But still, uh, at the very least, one of the top 10 best-selling non-fiction books of all time. That's a pretty good list to be on. Um, now, imagine how excited people would get. I'm feeling a little sheepish because <laughs> I've read the Boy and Ill a lot and I don't have this uh, director's meeting every day. So now you got me excited because 
geez, I could meet with Napoleon Hill every day. If you're a Napoleon Hill fan, imagine meeting with him for half an hour a day, him and others. Uh, now, do they have to be uh, dead or they, can they be a, Can I meet with you every morning? Yes, of course. And the idea, Carnegie alluded to the fact that the one or two of them were already passed away, and obviously Robert Burns, but he more or less talked about inspiring people in the business world that he had met on his journey. So they would, they, as a notion of alignment, what I've done is, I've invited in, the notion is that they create, a rewind for a brief moment, because of the source of left and right brain, what I did was I made an association between the corpus callosum, the fibrous part that divides, it's in the middle of the two hemispheres. I, I kind of created the notion of that being a river. And if you stand on the right bank of the river, once you're deeply relaxed, the metaphor would be you were standing in your right brain. And therefore, you walk into that landscape, you access your right brain faculties. I was using metaphor and the brain, the right brain's ability to imagine and so on. So what I do with this is once the people are deeply relaxed, they then create a retreat center in their mind. And it's up in a headland. On the left-hand side, there's an estuary of a river. Right-hand side, a, a beautiful bay with a sandy beach. And on this platform, they build a retreat center. And into that retreat center, they invite in, through the guided process, over the space of a week, they invite in seven fellow retreaters. And I give them, and I base it on characteristics that I believe universally inspire people. And I give examples of who they might consider as global figures that might come to mind who might fulfill that particular character. And then they would choose their own. They may choose the example I give but it more than likely choose someone that inspires them with similar characteristics. And by the time the first week has gone, they've built the team, they've had initial conversations, there's also a journaling aspect to the programs where they take notes of what's developing. And then for 21 days, which as you probably know, is very powerful in laying down behaviours, yes. for the next 21 days I take them through a process of conversations every day in the medical state with their fellow retreaters, which in effect is using exactly what Canadian told us to do. Neat. Now, uh, Jack, anytime you want to introduce anything that's a daily practice into someone's life, uh, the objection is going to be, I don't have enough time. Now, I'm a big ritual person. When I get up in the morning, I have my ritual. I read... My daily one-year Bible, I read 10 pages yep. from Think and Grow Rich. I write, it, write out my favorite affirmation 10 times. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I pray. So now I love morning routines, but some people are busy. You know, people are busy. So Jack Black, I like that idea. People will say, but where am I going to find the time to do this for 21 or 28 or forever days? Well... Here's what I find. I think that increasingly the vast majority of people, certainly the people who listen to this, will have heard of mindfulness, meditation, yeah. never mind the rest of the conversation we've had. And I think they know that increasingly that it's almost foolish not to be practicing some form of mindfulness or meditation. And therefore, I believe from experience that finding the 20 minutes or so, or 25, 26, maybe 28 minutes of engagement with myself it's similar to all the best programs available elsewhere. So they do Deepak or someone else. They're going to get them to practice for half an hour anyway. Right. Now, what, I, what I'm interested in is perhaps the best time to do this is last thing at night, just as Carnegie did. 
Mm-hmm. So if, like yourself, we've all got our rituals in the morning, mine happens to include meditation in the morning. However, for a lot of people that might be a step too far, then they can certainly figure it out for maybe during you know, night time. One of the things I've also done with this is because there's an, a, a companion app to the platform, they can in fact download the daily program and listen to it on the commute. I wouldn't say do it in the car, of course, because there's a meditation element, but if they were traveling by train or coach or something, mm. then, then, they, then of course they could do that. It might be worthwhile thinking about doing it over lunchtime. For some people listening to this, they sadly don't even take lunch any longer. Right. Um, and therefore enforcing themselves to take lunch by just doing some meditation might be the greatest thing they'll ever do in their life. I think inevitably it comes down to desire. Right. I think it's about, do you want to continue your life as it is just now, or do you want to reach and find a much more powerful you, if you like, the real you? I don't mean you personally, Tom, you're well in your way with this, but the person mm-hmm. listening. And more importantly, the friends, colleagues, family members of those who are listening. It's one thing for all of us to know this, but we really need to spread the word. We need to get more people on board for practicing some form. Ideally, I would like them to do Canadian type stuff, but, that, but that's me. But I think you'll find that also, I, this is a 30-day process. I don't expect anyone to do it in 30 consecutive days because life interferes. Right. And, but the point is, it's a progression. So if you've done day 14, then at some point you'll, move, you'll progress to day 15. What you can't do with it is jump from day one to day 29. You've got to go through the sequence the way it's laid out. Right. And the way it actually downloads. It doesn't allow you to, but because it's a, an unfolding process. But it's very right. powerful. Amazing. And as we know, there are many, 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 many Think and Grow Rich users who yep. um, are just involved in day-to-day life. They've settled into a ritual. They're... They don't have a burning desire, a definite purpose. So I'm thinking even all you Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill fans out there, if you aren't now at the level of success you want to be or you have a definite purpose but you're not pursuing it, I think this could be the magic key for um, Napoleon Hill and, and Think and Grow Rich readers as well as people who have never come across uh, any of these uh, speakers or authors, but as you said, just like, geez, I don't want to do this for the next 30, 40 years. I want to do something that I have a heart to do and that I love to do. So I think this is really like the key to, okay, yes, everyone, please read Think and Grow Rich, but yes, please, everyone implement it into your own life as much as you possibly can. And I think your uh, program, The Line in the Sand, will be the key from reading and understanding the book to applying it in our thoughts and our daily lives. And so I think you really have found the the key to help more readers of Napoleon Hill to uh, turn the knowledge they have in their left brain into excitement, creativity, desire, enthusiasm in their right brain uh, so that they will take the time every day to meet with these powerful, insightful, wise people that are in their uh, virtual inner council or in their daily mastermind meeting. I really think you have come up with you know, the, the program that will help people to implement what they know about in their brain already. 
Fantastic. You know, one of the other things that should help listeners feel comfortable with this, not only is the obvious link to Carnegie and Napoleon, but the I, I find there's a, there's a tipping point has happened where the notion of mindfulness and meditation is, is okay now to talk about. Not that long ago, it was still perceived to be a little bit kind of strange. I, I, I remember last year I, was, I, I went down to Dubai uh, I was down there as a guest of um, Emirates Airline, and they asked me to give a presentation after working hours to some of the senior management people. And we decided to call it call it mindfulness, practical uses in leadership. What happened was that over 800 people came to the auditorium. It was standing room only, and this was in their own free time after the working day was over. And I, I find it amazing that senior managers, and what's very interesting was that was a kind of global audience because Emirates at their head office are people from all over the world working there. It's mostly expats, but including the indigenous people from Dubai. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that it was mindfulness has captured people's minds now. And I believe that the more practical it can be, the more it's associated with actually having direct results on performance, the quality of life, Specifically, the quality of experience, even an hour after doing it or within half an hour of doing it, where it directly impacts performance at meetings, recreation, and so on and so forth. That's when it becomes really accessible and the desire builds to use it. So I think, again, your listeners, if they're a little bit, possibly a little bit skeptical, no one mind you. I doubt it, though. I think your leaders are like us. We're, we're on the same page. But they might want to pass this on to friends or family or whatever that they should do that in confidence because the resistance that used to be there is long gone. It's now scientifically proven that you've really kind of got to practice this stuff. One of the things that amazed me about Deepak Chopra when I was on his conference last year or at his retreat, he brought one of his scientist colleagues on in one of the days, and he was saying quite clearly, they've now discovered markers in our blood where you can see if someone's practicing meditation or not. Uh-huh. because it really has an impact to the point where you can pick up the markers. And what they were alluding to was, not just now, but perhaps in five, ten years' time, maybe less, insurance companies might not be too keen to invest in someone who's not practicing. In uh-huh. fact, some companies might get to the point where they wouldn't employ people in senior positions unless they were practicing either. So in some ways, we'd just be getting ahead of the field We'll be getting into really good habits, uh, but more importantly, access the wisdom of the richest guy that ever lived, who I go back to again, was such a cool dude that he gave 95% of it away. Nice, and I like that. That would be a powerful, powerful purpose to have. And uh, it's what I talk about a lot in my talks, is that, uh, especially because I'm often hanging around in a Christian circle and people are, oh, yep. grow rich, grow rich. That's evil, that's evil. I'm like, mm, I tell people, listen, God put you in a first world country in Canada or the U.S., North America, wherever people live that's in a first world country. And four out of ten people in the world live on less than $2 a day. My friend, neither you or I are any nicer than those people living on $2 a day. We don't deserve what we got. But uh, let's use all of the skills, talents, and abilities we have in the country we are in to earn every last penny we can if we have a motive to give it away and help other people. I think 
or I hope if I were God, thank God the position is not open, uh, I would do it that way, you know, if people really in their mind had this purpose, oh, I'm going to donate money to here, I'm going to help this group, this group, and then God lines up and says, okay, let's get this guy's goals going here, because he's really going to give it back. And so the biggest uh, compliment or the biggest recommendation I can make to my listeners is, I'm taking the course. I'm taking the line in the sand. I'm going to do it for 21 days, 28 days, most likely forever days. And um, so I think really listeners, try it. Do you have like a trial or anything like that, uh, Jack? Or how could people, the skeptical among us, uh, try it out or learn more or get more assurance about it? I know your website's easy to uh, remember, mindstore.com. Dot com, um, but tell uh, people how they can get involved with the program a little bit and yeah, and yeah. Uh, direct them to your website. Well, Tom, there's obviously mindstore.com. They can go in there and get an overview of what I do, and there's some interview videos there. It's mostly aimed at the business community. The platform that this one's on is mindstoreonline.com. Mindstoreonline.com. This is where the platform is and the website associated with this program. Now, there's also, you can find me on YouTube, Jack Black Mindstore, and I do Twitter and Facebook and so on and so forth. The thing is, with this program, what I, there is no entry level. The thing is, you, you buy the program and you work your way through it. What I am doing, funnily enough, is I've been in studios and I've been recording a, a kind of free introductory program for the platform where people can get used to what it's based on and what it's about and get the chance to experience one of the meditations. That program should be available on the Mindstore Online platform within about a fortnight, maybe a week. Okay. Uh, and that would help them feel a wee bit more comfortable nice. uh, okay. before, before they take the risk. The other thing, I, I love the fact that you and I are both Christians and praying is a big part of our lives. My experience is that I perceive the quality of my prayer is enhanced by doing what Sperry and Ornstein were alluding to. and, and Exactly. Exactly. In that relaxed meditative state, I feel I do feel more connected. I feel more inclined to feel that the quality of my prayer is enhanced, and essentially be comfortable with that. And and after all, God gave us this brain. He gave us this brain with two hemispheres. He gave us a brain that slows down prior to sleep. He gave us a brain that when we're in that pre-sleep state, imagination and intuition comes. He gave us those skills, and presumably He gave us them to think positive, beautiful, wonderful thoughts. Right. And obviously he gave us all skills. It seems to me, I think you grow rich to me isn't just about money. I think unfortunately because of the association with the richest guy who ever lived, people immediately go to the thing about wealth and right. there's a poverty consciousness thing in people's minds so they, they, they turn off. To me, think you grow rich is about being rich in all aspects of your life. Right. In your relationships, in your recreation, in your education. And obviously in, in your career and wealth too. But ultimately the guy who gave us all this is the ultimate model, the ultimate role model in the sense that, well, he gave 95% of it away. You know, how many people listening to this would have without really, really understanding that, would have the intention of giving 95% of their right. money? And that's how special he was. And I would right. imagine that he was walking, maybe the greats walk in the footsteps of previous giants. And I think Canadian is walking the footsteps of, of what we believe God gave us. Right, after right. Bringing, sending Christ to the planet for us. Right, 
And he gave us skills, talents, and abilities and put us in a place on the earth where we are able to earn as much as we possibly can if we have a definite purpose for our life. And a definite purpose is... A Ferrari is not a definite purpose, but helping people who are under-resourced with your money to improve their life, that is a definite purpose. And if you have a desire to help people, any group of people that touch your heart, you will earn every last penny you can so that you can pour more of it out into helping other people. And I believe, I'm hoping anyway, that... If a person is uh, dreaming of a new Ferrari and a mansion, that God puts them sort of uh, towards the back of the list and helps the guy who's thinking about, man, I want to adopt 50 World Vision children or a whole village of World Vision children or I want to help Mercy Ships or whoever they want to help. I think God would line up with those people and say, let's go, man. You're taking the time to do this. Let me help you out. And so this program you have, uh, the line in the sand, is going to be the key after reading Think and Grow Rich or any Napoleon Hill book to people uh, fulfilling their God-given purpose. Like, I feel a duty. Like, if God gives me all this talent and this purpose and these skills and I don't use them, it's like being given a gift that you don't even open. Well, I want to open and use my gift as much as I can so that other people uh, can be resourced to do what they need to do or what they must do to live. And so <laughs> people, take the program. I'm taking the program, mindstoreonline.com. Uh, go to mindstore.com to learn more about Jack, but mindstoreonline.com. I'm taking a program, and believe me, I get offered a lot of programs. So I'm committing my 28 to forever days to doing it, and I recommend that all of you try it as well. Thanks so much for being uh, on the show today, Jack. Uh, geez, every time I'm on the phone with you, I feel like i got to go out and sell somebody something now or <laughs> deliver a speech of some sort. I'm so uh, enthusiastic after getting off the phone with you. Uh, an amazing program, uh, very, very creative, and it uh, will definitely help people to achieve more uh, than they already are and uh, follow through all of Napoleon Hill's uh, success principles. Imagine putting Napoleon Hill in a daily mastermind group. Man, I would never be late for that meeting. Fantastic, Tom. Thank you very much for having time with me. I, I really, really appreciate it. I will certainly be telling the world about this new program. Have an amazing day, Jack. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details.